SEP Fanfic Readings presents Finding Hermione by Ebook Dragon Chapter 31 The Hunger for a Mother's Love January 11th Draco and Hermione took Minerva back to school that Saturday so that she could get used to being back before she had to return to classes, and so that her classmates could get used to her new look and new parentage. The headmistress and Slytherin head were surprised to be reintroduced to Minerva Granger Malfoy. Draco and Hermione had to tell them both the spells used for the magical adoption. McGonagall questioned them both closely, seemingly very curious about everything they had done and seen during the adoption ritual. Draco left Hermione and Minerva talking with the two teachers and went in search of his son. He found Scorpius in the Quidditch stands watching the Slytherin Quidditch practice and debating strategy with James and Drake. The three boys jumped up when they caught sight of Draco climbing the steps into the stands. "'Is Minerva back?' Scorpius asked before he'd even said hello to Draco. "'Hello to you, too,' Draco joked. "'Yes, she's back. She's talking with the headmistress and Professor Caro right now.' Draco looked seriously at his son. "'Let's take a walk, son. There are some things we need to talk about.' Drake and James took off ahead of Draco and Scorpius in the direction of the castle. Draco walked aimlessly with Scorpius around the large open field outside of the Quidditch Stadium. He pulled the picture of Hermione and Scorpius out of his pocket and stared at it while they walked, trying to figure out where to start. Um, Dad? Scorpius said hesitantly. Hmm? Draco asked, still distracted. Nana isn't going to be happy you stole her picture, Scorpius said. Draco stopped in his tracks and stared down at his son. You've seen this photo before, he asked. He hadn't expected Scorpius to recognize the picture, hadn't intended for his son to know yet about Hermione's role in his infancy. How much did his son really know, though? Nana says it's her favorite. She keeps it on her nightstand, so it's the first thing she sees when she wakes up, Scorpius answered. What do you know of the photo? Draco asked curiously. His mother and Scorpius obviously had talked about the photo, but when Scorpius met Hermione for the first time, he hadn't seemed like he'd remembered her or knew of the role in his infancy. Scorpius shrugged. I asked Nana once when I was little if the picture was of me and my mum. She told me it was a picture of me with a powerful witch. She used to tell me stories about her when I would stay with her at night. Draco was curious that Hermione had featured in the stories his mother told his son. What kind of stories did she tell you about her? Scorpius sent his father a questioning look, but answered him. She told me the witch once robbed Gringotts and escaped on the back of a dragon. Draco couldn't help but laugh. Of course, that would be the story his son remembered first. What boy wouldn't be fascinated by stories of bank robberies and daring escapes? What about the picture? Was there a story that Nana told you that went with the picture? Draco asked. Scorpius kicked at a stone and nodded. Will you tell it to me, please? Draco kept his eyes on the photo as they continued to stroll around. Scorpius started the story hesitantly, as if he were having difficulty remembering how the story went. About a week after I was born, Nana took me to visit the powerful witch. Nana said the witch was a hero to our people. She was very smart and helped the savior defeat the evil one. Nana took me to visit her one day because I was hungry but couldn't eat. She thought the witch might know how to help. Draco wondered how many stories his mother had told Scorpius about Harry. How had Scorpius not put together that James's father was the savior in his grandmother's stories? The story seemed old, though considering how much Scorpius paused to think about the way the story went. Scorpius furrowed his brow as he tried to remember the story. The witch picked me up and held me. She noticed at once at how hungry I was and how strongly I resisted drinking the formula. 
She said I wouldn't drink because I missed my mum, and my mum missed me. The witch said that I needed a surrogate mother to help my mum give me the love my mother wanted to give me since she died, before she could bestow my mother's love on me. My mother's love would flow through the witch and into me, making me strong. Scorpius took his wand out of his robes and started twirling it in his hands. Nana told her that they weren't able to find a worthy witch since my mum's love was so great. The witch said she knew how powerful a mother's love could be, and it would take a powerful witch to be able to help my mother bestow it on me. The witch said that because my mum loved me so much, I was destined to grow up to be a great wizard and help bring prosperity to our people. The witch said that she would help my mother bestow her love on me so that I could grow strong and fulfill my destiny, but that it would take time because my mother's love was so powerful. One day, when I was about six months old, she told Nana that my mother's love had been fully bestowed and that my mum and I were both able to be at peace, even though we were separated. Draco wondered how he'd never known that his mother had told his son stories of Hermione. His mother had always weaved stories, ever since Draco could remember, though his mother had never told him stories about muggle-born witches. His mother was a mark of how much times have changed, that she would seek out a friendship with Hermione, take his son to her for sustenance, and wholeheartedly support his relationship with her. These things would not have happened before the war. "'How long has it been since your nana told you these stories of the powerful witch?' Draco asked. "'I don't know. A long time, I think. "'You're going to give the picture back to nana, right?' Scorpius asked. "'This isn't your nana's picture,' Draco answered. At Scorpius's curious expression, Draco handed the picture to his son. "'Look at the witch, and tell me if she looks familiar to you.' Scorpius took the picture from Draco and examined it closely. Draco watched his son's face change from curiosity to confusion as he slowly realized who the lady in the picture was. "'That's Hermione!' Scorpius exclaimed in disbelief. "'Nana was telling me stories about Hermione. Do you think they're all true?' "'I'm not sure. Maybe you should write your Nana and ask her, or you can ask Hermione,' Draco said. "'It was Hermione all that time,' Scorpius said in wonder. "'Hermione gave me my mother's love.' Draco wondered who had thought up the story, his mother or his soulmate. Draco had wanted to keep Astoria's memory alive for Scorpius. He'd never realized how much his mother had done to acquiesce to his wishes. Daphne told Scorpius stories of Astoria growing up, and Draco told him stories of their short time together. His mother seemed to have her own way of keeping Astoria's memory alive for his son. Draco hugged his son to him. Scorpius distractedly returned his hug as he continued to stare down at the picture. Draco nudged his son's chin up and met his son's overwhelming ice-gray eyes. "'I must tell you something. You gained a sister over the last couple of days. I adopted Minerva. The spell we performed to seal the adoption changed how she looks. Minerva has the Malfoy blood now.' Confusion clouded his son's eyes. "'I thought you said it couldn't be done.' Draco gave Scorpius a self-deprecating smile. "'Hermione and your grandmother are loads smarter than me.' They found a spell that made it possible. I hope you don't mind that I didn't ask you first. Scorpius shook his head eagerly. I don't mind. You know how I feel about it. Did it make Minerva better? Draco resumed their circuitous walk around the castle. The other inhabitants were starting to throw curious looks their way. It helped some, yes. It didn't change her memories of what happened, but I think she's able to accept her part in it a little better. You'll keep an eye on her. Scorpius puffed up indignantly. She's my sister, and Draco supposed that was all the answer he needed. 
What about Rose? Is she a Malfoy now as well? Draco draped an arm over his son's shoulders, barely resisting the urge to ruffle his hair. No, she's still a Weasley. Adopting Minerva seemed to be the only way to help her move past it. Rose wasn't affected the same way Minerva was. She's still young enough to believe people like Aunt Luna when they say everything's going to be okay. Scorpius looked up curiously at him. Won't it be weird for her sister if she's the only one? She can decide when she's older. Like you said, her last name doesn't change how we feel about her. Draco paused and squeezed his son's shoulder. He was suddenly nervous about passing on the last bit of information he had for his son. Scorpius admitted to being jealous of Rose at first. How was he going to feel about the twins? If he didn't tell them now, though, Minerva would. There's one more thing I need to tell you before we head back. When we did the spell so that I could adopt Minerva, we inadvertently found out that Hermione is expecting twins. So you have to ask her to marry you now, right? She's going to be my mum? His son asked the question so excitedly he was practically bouncing under Draco's arm. Draco took in his son's eager expression, not quite the reaction he was expecting. His son had completely bypassed impending siblings and went back to Hermione. Draco hid the smile that threatened to bust out with a serious expression. "'Can I give you a little advice about witches? Don't ever ask one to marry you just because she's pregnant. They don't like that.' Curiously, his son's hackle started to rise. He stopped walking and pulled himself from Draco's embrace. Scorpius clenched his fist and addressed Draco heatedly. "'But Nana said that if I ever got a witch pregnant outside of wedlock, she'd hex me down the aisle herself. Nana will hex you when she finds out,' Scorpius said in a tone that made Draco think Scorpius was thinking about doing a little hexing himself. Draco quirked an imperious eyebrow at his son as he stared down at him. "'Nana already knows, but I'm sure she has a plethora of hexes ready for me if I take too long.' Scorpius mirrored his father's expression. The only thing that gave away Scorpius's nerves was the slight twitching of his wand in his hand. It was the most Scorpius had ever challenged him. He found himself oddly proud. "'So that means you will ask her, and soon.' Draco furrowed his brow as he looked down at his son. "'Why are you pushing this so hard?' Scorpius looked at him with an exasperated sigh. "'I told you I wanted a mum, and I want Hermione to be my mum. She's already been my surrogate mum, and I think my birth mother would be okay with it.' He was sure Astoria would approve of Hermione as a mother for her child. "'You know you don't have to wait for us to get married. I bet if you ask her, she would be happy to be your mum right now.' "'Shouldn't I get her a present first or something?' Scorpius asked, looking suddenly unsure of himself. Draco pointed over to the rose bushes that lined the walls outside the library. "'If you really want to get to something, go pick a flower. Sincerity means more than presents.' Scorpius rushed over to the rose bushes, took an inordinate amount of time choosing a bloom for Hermione. Draco was starting to get impatient, and about to walk over and pull his son away, when Scorpius turned and came back to him, carrying not one bloom as Draco had intended, but ever the Malfoy, he came back with six pink and white roses. Draco handed his son a handkerchief to wrap around the stems. They made their way back inside the castle and started the trek back to the headmistress's office. Upstairs and down corridors, Draco and Scorpius made the familiar trek to the office in relative silence. He could feel the excitement and nervousness emanating off his son. At the stone gargoyle entrance, Scorpius hung back reluctantly. Draco turned to him and raised an eyebrow, questioning. I... I... Scorpius stammered, then took a deep breath. Who's up there? Draco placed a calming hand on his son's shoulder and answered. Professors McGonagall and Caro. 
Hermione and Minerva, I suppose. I don't know if I can do this, Scorpius said nervously. Wanting to make it easier for Scorpius, Draco offered. Why don't you come up and wait in the outer office, and I'll have Hermione come out so you can talk to her. Scorpius visibly melted in relief and followed Draco up the moving staircase. Draco left him waiting outside the oak door to the headmistress's office. Draco went inside and found the two professors and Hermione seated around a low table taking tea and talking. A very bored-looking Minerva was draped across the arm of the sofa her mother was seated on, gazing at the door with a glazed look in her eye. She seemed to reanimate herself as she saw Draco walk in. The three ladies noticed her movement and turned to look at him. "'Scorpius would like to talk to you,' Draco said by way of greeting Hermione. Minerva jumped off the couch. "'Scorpius is here? Are the rest of the Slytherins with him?' She made to go to the door, but Draco stopped her. "'Hang on for a minute. I think he wants a private conversation.' Hermione set her teacup down on the table and murmured a polite, "'Excuse me,' and let Draco lead her out of the office. They found Scorpius pacing the floor of the outer office, muttering to himself— Draco distinctly heard the word mum a few times, and thought he was trying to rehearse what he would say. Draco cleared his throat and bit back a grin as his son jumped, and hastily hid his bouquet behind his back. Draco and Hermione moved to stand in front of Scorpius. "'Your dad said you wanted to talk to me,' Hermione said, looking at Scorpius with concern. "'What's going on, dear?' Scorpius flicked his gaze between the two of them, and shuffled from one foot to the other. "'Um, Dad, could you—' "'You know,' Scorpius said, glancing at the door. Draco chuckled to himself. "'Okay, I guess I'm not needed here. Come say goodbye when you're done, son.' Draco left Scorpius to his proposal in the outer office, and led himself into the headmistress's inner sanctum. He settled down in Minerva's vacated seat on the couch beside Minerva. Minerva shot him a questioning glance. "'What's going on?' The two professors sipped their tea, both trying to look nonchalant about eavesdropping on their conversation— but clearly curious about what was happening in their outer office. "'Your brother is trying to get himself a mother,' Draco said in a loud whisper. Minerva smiled. "'Brother, that's so weird to hear!' "'You don't mind that he's asking?' Draco queried. Minerva waved the question off. "'He's sharing you with Rose and I. The least I can do is share Mom with him. It would be cruel not to, since he's longed for a mum for so long.' Draco heard a sniff coming from the other side of the sitting area. He glanced over just in time to see the headmistress dab her eyes with a handkerchief. She caught him looking at her and frowned at him, trying to resume her stern, professional look that used to scare the dickens out of him. "'Have a biscuit,' she said, gesturing to the plate in the center of the table. Draco didn't bother to hide his smile as he reached over and took two ginger newts from the plate, handing one to Minerva. He made small talk with the two professors and Minerva for what seemed like a long time— all four glanced at the door from time to time, waiting for Hermione and Scorpius to come back in. Draco could swear he heard Professor McGonagall murmur, "'Where's an extendable ear when you need it?' as the conversation dropped off into tense silence once again. He shared her sentiment. What was taking them so long? Finally, Hermione and Scorpius came back into the office. The smile on Scorpius's face told Draco everything he needed to know. His boy finally had the mother he longed for. Scorpius looked changed from incandescent joy to startled confusion as he got his first glimpse of Minerva. Minerva rose slowly from the sofa and went to meet him. Hermione let the two reacquaint themselves and moved to sit beside Draco. They watched the two fondly. The children kept their voices to a whisper so that Draco couldn't hear what they were saying to one another. He saw Scorpius reach up and touch Minerva's pale blonde hair in wonder. 
Minerva showed Scorpius the Malfoy pendant on her necklace. They became aware of the audience and sheepishly turned to face the adults. Draco couldn't hold back his astonished gasp at the sight of the two blonde-haired, gray-eyed children standing side by side. Scorpius was like a clone of him at that age, minus the perpetual sneer. Minerva, on the other hand, was the perfect mixture of Hermione and himself. He hoped that once her hair grew out, her curls would come back. Seeing the two children standing side by side, there was no doubt Draco was their father. "'They make quite the pair, don't they?' the headmistress finally said. "'There is no doubt she's a Malfoy now, seeing her standing there beside Scorpius.' Professor McGonagall cleared her throat and turned her sharp gaze at Minerva. "'As we discussed, Professor Carrow and I will inform the other teachers of your change of name and your appearance changes. It is up to you to decide what you will tell the rest of the student body. I think being a Slytherin with your brother and cousin will help you for a smoother transition for you. However, if you find the other students are giving you difficulty with this, please do not hesitate to talk with the teacher.' "'Thank you, Professor,' Minerva said quietly, fiddling with the pendant of her necklace. Professor McGonagall looked sharply at her door before looking at Hermione, Draco, and then the children. "'Now, there are four students trying to batter their way into my office, and they're impatient to greet you, Minerva. Perhaps now would be a good time to say goodbye and relieve my poor gargoyle of Mr. Potter's persistence.' Taking that as a dismissal, Draco rose from his seat and held a hand out to Hermione to help her stand. They both crossed the short distance to their children. They hugged and kissed the child in front of them thoroughly, then traded and showered that child with affection. "'Oh, my babies, you're so big now,' Hermione gushed. "'Take care of each other.' "'Mom,' Minerva said in an exasperated whine, "'we aren't babies.' "'Pish,' Hermione said with a wave of her hand. "'You'll always be my babies.' "'Mom,' Minerva whined again. Scorpius snickered beside her. Minerva rounded on him indignantly. "'She's calling you a baby, too,' Scorpius just shrugged. "'I don't mind.' "'You will,' Minerva retorted, but Scorpius just shrugged again. "'All right,' Draco said, forestalling an argument. "'We have to be going. We've imposed on the headmistress enough.' They sent them on their way with a final hug goodbye, then made their farewells to the two professors, and stepped into the fireplace to flew home. They were greeted by his mother, Rose, and surprisingly Harry and Theo— Tansy pushed through the door into the drawing-room, bearing a platter of sandwiches and another one with drinks floating behind her. Draco was thankful that lunch was served. He was suddenly starving. Draco kissed his mother's cheek in greeting and picked up Rose and tickled her before setting her back down with a kiss on her nose. He shook Harry's hand and gave Theo a one-armed hug. They settled down to eat the lunch Tansy had prepared. Theo and Harry resumed their seats in the set of the armchairs to the left of the sofa. His mother took up her usual seat on the right. Rose sat on the floor in front of the couch with her plate and drink in front of her. Hermione reclined back on the sofa and allowed Draco to hand her a drink and a sandwich. Once he got his own drink and sandwich, she brought her legs up and draped them over his. Draco knew these little things she did, allowing him to take care of her, were her way of easing his anxiety about her pregnancy. Rose chattered away through lunch, asking questions about Minerva and Scorpius. She told a story that Nana Sissa told her about a witch that broke into a bank and freed a dragon— Theo was laughing at Rose's retelling of the story. Harry and Hermione shared a look before Harry rested his hands on his knees and looked at Rose seriously. "'You want to know a secret, Rose?' Rose, of course, nodded eagerly. Harry continued. "'I know who that witch is,' he whispered theatrically. "'Who?' Rose asked. "'Harry, don't,' Hermione protested. Harry looked over at her with a mischievous grin. "'Turnabout is fair play.' 
He then turned back to Rose and stage whispered, It was your mum. Rose started giggling. No, it's not, she said in disbelief. There's no way mum would rob a bank. Harry looked a little put out that Rose didn't believe him. Hermione laughed in his face and said, There's no way she's going to believe you. After lunch was finished, Rose helped Tansy take the dishes away, with the intention of helping her bake cookies. Draco faced Theo and Harry, and noted the stiff looks that fell on both their faces after Rose left the room. He reached over and grasped Hermione's hand, expecting some sort of bad news. "'Not that we're not happy to see both of you,' Draco started cautiously. "'But what's going on?' Two things,' Theo started. "'That we need to make a decision on how we want to proceed.' Hermione shifted into a more comfortable position beside him. Harry looked at both of them and spoke. "'Ron's hearing is in three days. I've been told it won't go to trial, and that's all the MLE are telling me because of my connection to him.' "'They told me more,' Theo spoke up, propping his ankle on his knee and resting his hand on it. He was given Veritaserum and questioned a few days after his arrest, once the scope of his arrest shifted from homicide to attempted murder. "'What were their findings?' Hermione asked tensely from beside him. Draco wanted to stop them from telling her. He didn't think it would be good for her or the babies, but he knew that he'd probably get hexed for suggesting it. "'Attempted murder,' Theo said calmly. "'I didn't get to read the transcripts, but they said the evidence was conclusive.' "'What do we need to decide on, then?' Draco asked. "'He's going to rot in a prison cell for the rest of his life.' "'As the victim and intended targets, you both are within your rights to confront him before he goes to hearing and may have Veritaserum used.' You may also decide if you want to ask for leniency, Harry said, though he spat the word leniency. I want to confront him, Hermione said vehemently. No, both Draco and Harry protested. Hermione crossed her arms over her chest and glared at both of them. He will be fully restrained and without a wand. I deserve to know why he wanted to kill me. If there weren't people around, he would have gotten to his knees to beg her to rethink confronting Weasley. It was still a possibility— he wasn't above begging her, even if he was ridiculed about it for years by Harry and Theo. Please, Draco started. I am begging you to reconsider. I don't want you around him. Harry jumped in. Hermione, I agree with Draco on this. You're expecting, and you don't need the stress that a confrontation with him will bring. It will be nasty, and you know that. His mother spoke up for the first time. She's barely pregnant. Without the spell, she wouldn't even know. She held up her hand for silence when Draco opened his mouth to protest. "'You both need closure. Once he's put away, we can all move on with our lives.' Before Draco could comment on this, Hermione said, "'I'm going. I need to know why he did this. I will agree to any security measures you think up, but I am going.' Draco nodded his acceptance. He looked over at Harry, who looked like he was contemplating every security measure he could think of to protect Hermione. I don't want an army of oars there when I talk to him, Hermione added sharply. I don't need them gossiping to the prophet about what they overhear. Harry accepted her condition reluctantly, giving away that he had planned on pulling several oars to protect her during the confrontation. There is one more thing, Theo said. Since the divorce bill is ready, and we were only waiting for the new year to bring it before the Wizengamot before all this happened, we need to decide if we're going to try and push it through the council before or after Weasley's hearing. "'Before,' Draco answered immediately. "'After,' Hermione answered at the same time. "'Why after?' Draco asked, turning to look at her, a little hurt that she didn't want to get divorced immediately. "'I love you,' she said, reaching a hand out to cup his face. 
I don't want to be married to him any longer than I have to. Then why don't we take this before the Wizengamot tomorrow? He asked. There are a few reasons. It makes more convincing case before the council if he's already been sentenced. We already own the council. We know how everyone is going to vote, Draco protested. The papers will run a story of Ron's hearing the day after, which will feature many of his comments that he made while he was being interrogated. After that, the people won't be able to take his side, and will be behind new laws allowing divorce. I don't care about any of that. I'll ruin anyone that tries to tell you that you don't deserve a divorce, that bastard, Draco said, getting increasingly frustrated. How about this one? There isn't a waiting period for divorce when a spouse has been convicted of a violent crime. We could get the law passed and I could walk out divorced before we even leave the building. There also isn't a waiting period to get remarried, Theo chimed in, if she waits. All right, Draco said with a mock sigh of resignation. After it is. You could have led with that one, Theo said sardonically. Hermione shrugged. Where's the fun in that? Harry slapped his hands on his legs and pushed out of the chair. Now that that's settled, I have some plans to make. He came over and shook Draco's hand and kissed Hermione on the cheek. I'll see you both at the Ministry in two days. Theo got up as well. I have my own wife to pamper at home. Give Daphne our love, Hermione said, kissing Theo on the cheek. Theo and Harry were gone, leaving the two of them alone with his mother for company. Draco turned with Hermione's legs in his lap to face her fully. Mother... I have a bone to pick with you. By all means, pick away, his mother said airily. You kept it a secret for almost twelve years that Hermione breastfed Scorpius during your little errands. His mother's gaze turned sharp, and Draco was reminded of the woman that had lied to Lord Voldemort in order to get to him. I kept her secret because that was the price to be paid, in order to do what was best for my grandson. Draco, don't do me bad at your mother, Hermione pleaded. It was my fault— your mother did what was necessary to help Scorpius. I'm not mad, Draco said. I just wish someone would have told me sooner. He's my son. I had a right to know. Yes, you did, Draco, Hermione said soothingly, rubbing her hands down his chest. And I was wrong to keep it from you. Just no more secrets, Draco said, then looked at his mother. And you have to stop telling the kids stories about Hermione. They're going to go out and rob a bank or get their teacher's drug into the forest by centaurs. Well, I'm going to say goodbye to Rose, his mother said breezily and swept from the room. Draco turned to Hermione then. All this debate about divorce and Weasley meant he hadn't been able to find out about Hermione's talk with Scorpius. You have to tell me how it went in the outer office of Scorpius. You were both gone for so long time. Hermione smiled and her hand grazed across her lower abdomen where their children were nestled. It was very sweet. He told me the story Narcissa had first told him about me. The one where I used magic to channel Astoria's love into him. I'd never heard the story, but you can't really tell a toddler about breastfeeding. She smiled up at him and traced patterns on his sleeve with her finger. He asked if I would be his mum, even though you and I weren't married yet. He went on a tirade about how you had better marry me because I was pregnant, even though you weren't supposed to ask a witch to marry you for that reason. Draco laughed at her recount of her son's nervous ramblings. Then he got a little unsure of himself. He thrust the roses at me and told me he knew that I already had two kids, and two more on the way, but he hoped that I wouldn't mind one more. He said he would do the same adoption ritual that Minerva did if I wanted. I told him no, probably a little forcefully. He thought I was rejecting him at first. I told him we didn't need to do the ritual, 
that I wouldn't disrespect his mother's memory by asking that of him. I told him that I already thought of him as my own, ever since he was a baby, and that when I gave him his mother's love, I also gave him mine as well. 